So first going to talk about um, staking pools and how um, if there's a if there's a staking pool that's basically getting you know ETH from other people or whatever asset you know staked um, if they're basically running the pool for you then this is um, an investment scheme and I'm not talking about the individual crypto I'm talking about the company that's running the pool so like Kraken if they are saying that they'll stake your whatever token for you let's just call call it ETH then you are um, participating in an investment scheme with them where they are basically selling you in a way a security interest in the company itself because they're promising you return return being the rewards from staking in the protocol um, so in my opinion Kraken Coinbase or any other pool that's offering any staking reward and this does include DAOs too uh, DAOs basically in DeFi or it's just you know on Ethereum some protocol that's running all of these products that are offering offering any kind of staking and rewards are technically investment schemes um, and the people that run them basically that operate the pool are offering you an investment opportunity and I think you do need to divorce this from the token itself um, because if you think about it like this you're locking up your your token your ETH or something that you're staking a token that you're staking so this is this should be considered sort of your risk right because you can't if it's locked up you can't sell it um, you can't do anything else with it you know in theory it's just locked up it's staked so you do have investment risk because apparently you know if they don't like the way that you've confirmed a block you know maybe some transactions in there if they don't like the way that you're confirming the transactions potentially your stake is on the line right so that's like incentivizing um, somebody to act in accordance with the protocol rules or however you know they decide they want to overturn somebody's hack you know maybe USDT or something on ethereum maybe if you don't agree with that and you um, you know want to push the hack through the block and other people don't want to uh, maybe it'll take away your stake if you don't do what they want you to do so your your stake technically is at risk um, and then in a, if it's in a DAO you know it's always it's always at a risk of hacking uh, and that's usually what happens to these DAOs but um, but you're really you're really investing to give it like investing your staked token for some kind of return and that return in this case is like the new token reward uh, that, that eventually gets split up between you know the pool the pool operator and then the people who who have given them their token to stake for them um, I guess just economies of scale make it such that people just want to pull their um, pull their tokens to stake um, but this is this is a separate uh, security than just the token itself I'm not even including the token I'm just saying this is an investment scheme that you know Kraken is offering when they offer you hey we'll stake your coins for, for you you know you have them with us anyways we'll go ahead and stake them for you uh, and we'll give you this reward well they're offering you a security interest in an investment scheme called staking
Um, and they should have to disclose this risk. They should have to, you know, register it with SEC technically. But, you know, this sort of, if you think about what are you doing when you're staking, this money isn't really, sorry, this, this, these tokens that you're locking up aren't really being used productively, you know, so, um, they're not being lent to other people to, to build a business or anything. They're just being locked up. And so while I talk about, yeah, there's risk to you, there's not real risk. I mean, because it, 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 what this proves is that when you get a token reward from staking, it's just this new issuance of token that's created sort of out of thin air. And it's not real. You know, it's just made up. Um, so for, for not really put it, putting your, your staking capital to, to a productive use, I'd say, you're not really getting a productive return. And what it is, in a way, staking um, is to hodling what hodling is to Bitcoin. It's sort of a way to, if you think about the nature of crypto, you want people to buy in and hold it, and you don't want them to sell. So what does staking conveniently do for the, for the big whales and people who start the cryptocurrency that has staking in it? Well, it, it makes people, it, well, it induces them to want to hold on and get these funny rewards, you know, oh, if I stake it, I'll get some percentage, right, of new, new token that's just created out of thin air. And this sort of induces people uh, just, you know, they just think about it logically. Oh, okay, I can earn some, some money here. Why wouldn't I stake it? You know, I'm just going to hold on to it. So it, it, it induces people to just create, sort of to lock up their coins and not to sell because if you stake something, you can't sell it. Now, I'm, I guess it's probably easy to get out of a pool, but while you're staking, what I mean is you can't sell your coins. So, um, so yeah, you're locked up. And if you can't sell your coins, then there's less pressure on the price. And Bitcoin doesn't have this nice little feature. Bitcoin, right, has to achieve this mechanism through another means, right? So they do it through the concept of hodling, through just community support, <laughs> community support groups, that sort of persuade themselves not to sell the tokens. Because in Bitcoin, to create a new token, you just have to go um, do stuff with energy and computers, but you don't have to lock up your Bitcoin. Um, you don't have to do anything with your Bitcoin. You could be selling your Bitcoin, but also be a miner. You know, you could be doing the mining on the side. Um, but it also makes you think about, well, what is Bitcoin also, you know, is the mining process also non-productive activity? You know, well, you're, you're using up real resources to mine Bitcoin, electricity, hardware, labor, um, space. All these computers need lots of space, probably lots of AC to keep them cool. Uh, so there's a big geographic, you know, there's a huge resource footprint for this. Um, and bigger than staking, I guess you could say. But is it productive? I mean, the Bitcoiners would say yes, because it's producing Bitcoin for them. And they think Bitcoin is, I guess, good. <laughs> but is it productive in a sense of, is it actually contributing to the supply, I suppose, of wealth? Like real, real wealth, real things that people need, that people um, use, that people would consider wealth, right? Um, not really. It's just a token that 
is what humans say it is. And it's created out of thin air. It's because it's artificially tied to the production, to the process of uh, creating it. It's artificially tied to this process called mining. Meaning it's, it's not, you, humans just put this stuff together. Just like they're putting staking together with, you know, staked model tokens. So it's not real. Like it's real in that the energy is wasted, but it's not really tied to Bitcoin naturally. It's just a human, human engineered thing. So you could say if it's a human engineered thing, that's kind of a waste because you technically don't need the mining to create Bitcoin. They just want the mining to create Bitcoin because they want it to be somewhat difficult. But remember in the very beginning of Bitcoin, it wasn't difficult at all. Somebody could just easily mine a whole bunch of it on their computer. And that's what, you know, Satoshi and the first people who mined Bitcoin were able to do. Um, now it's very difficult because there's a lot of people that want to mine it because, well, the price is where it's at, you know. Um, so the point is, is that um, I think staking presents a number of problems because of these pooled staking pools, right? These companies running these pools. And it looks very much like an investment scheme to me. I don't know why, I don't know if this issue has come up with regulators before. Have they questioned, you know, what are they, what are these people doing? And, you know, people tend to focus on the token itself. Is the token itself a security? Well, I'm actually not even talking about that right now. I'm talking about these companies that are saying, we'll stake your coins for you for a return. Like that is clear as day an investment scheme. Now the token itself, is this a security? Well, you know, the Bitcoiners keep saying that every token except Bitcoin is a security, which is interesting to me. <laughs> uh, but they never really define why. I mean, I don't know what their reasoning is here. And I tend to think that a security, like if, if you created a token and you, um, you know, a stakes token or whatever, and, and you just basically staked and then you, um, you got this new token from your staking, but say you, you never wanted to sell it. Say you never sold this stake token. You're actually be issuing a security because issuing a security involves selling or offering a token into the market in exchange, right, of, of your token for dollars. And um, you know, and also I would say what you, what you said, you got ever ever you're not and they in the market for dollars or whatever they are offering that security I consider all all crypto security really and who who is the issuer the issuer is the person that's selling it into the market first so you ask yourself how is this thing being created? With Bitcoin, it's the Bitcoin miners, and with any staked token, uh, you know, that, that maybe was started through staking in the first place, it's whoever staked it, whoever got this reward, this new issuance, 
and then sold this into the market. So technically, if you are staking, you know, and you are getting a reward of new issuance, and then you're selling this, you know, into the market for dollars, you're technically the, um, the issuer of the security. And so what regulators supposedly have a problem with is recognizing that there could be lots of issuers of virtually the same security, right? So, you know, the, the only way that Bitcoin, um, and it's actually quite in the beginning, right? Because you have a new token. There's only a few players really involved in this token. I mean, it's not well known. And there's probably a lot of big whales, you know, who have an incentive to, to either, you know, stake it or buy it or whatever. But who, who is initially selling it into the market? Who's creating a security? Well, it's the people that, um, that sell it into the market, right? It's the people that sell it. I would never accuse anyone who mined Bitcoin or who staked, you know, a token and then never sold it ever. Never sold it. I would never accuse them of selling a security, right? Or issuing the past souls. You know, how are we going to regulate, you know, potentially hundreds of people that are issuing the same security? Well, make them disclose it, I suppose. I guess there's no real good way, right? Um, but unless you said, hey, anybody who's issuing Bitcoin or selling Bitcoin for the first time, they do know, right? They can track it's on the blockchain. They know which coins have been recently mined, right? And so they say, hey, look, if you want to be a miner of Bitcoin, um, then you need to basically, if you're going to be selling Bitcoin for the first time, you need to register this with us, you know, uh, to do so. So you'll just be considered a decentralized issuer, but um, sure with us, and you need to make proper disclosures about what you're selling. Uh, and this goes for any token. This goes for any token because these things are these investment um, products. They're not any kind of like food product. And, you know, there's still regulations on food and on other products too, like just, you know, I don't know. Think of a pillow, right? How many, there's lots of actually, I think the FDA even controls pillows, but there's lots of regulations on pillows. Like if you lie about what a pillow is, um, you know, and you sell it to people who think it's something else, you're, you, could, you could be on the hook for fraud. I mean, pillow is not a good example, but, um, but I think, I think, I think that point is clear, but I think it's also clear, and I don't know why people get this confused, but tokens are investment, investment products. No one is buying this to consume it. Hardly anybody is buying it to to use as like a currency or payment rail, I'd say. And it's a really bad one because if it was a true payment rail, it would have to give you terms. It would have to make promises about the, at least you could transact. And it doesn't even allow you to get back into your local currency. So you have to go to like a separate exchange to do that. So it's not a really good payment rail because if it was, it would include all of those things inside of it, which it doesn't. Because no one is guaranteeing you any kind of payment rail service. So... And it's just, it's really not being used like that predominantly. It's being used for, for investment purposes. And even if something has, you know, a, a very small use case of investment, it still exists. And the SEC should be all over that. Um, 
So I think the bottom line too is that if you look at staking and you look really what it is, I think Senator Loomis is coming out with a bill and she um, wants to regulate crypto and she said some stuff about staking and how she might do something funny with the taxing of it, like not tax the rewards as income or something like that. But I don't think they understand what staking is. And I think that, you know, if you were to, you know, I think it's an investment scheme um, because you're staking. Sorry, it's not an investment scheme if it's just you. Right. But if you're giving your money, your, your, your tokens to like a pool operator, that's an investment scheme, but not the token itself. Right. So, so just the act of the pool saying um, will help you stake and it will give you the rewards. That's the investment scheme. But. But these things that are that are staked tokens look a lot more like a Ponzi than, say, Bitcoin does, because you're putting you're basically holding your um, your token or staking it, locking it up in order to just get more of the token. You know, that's just created out of thin air. That's your reward for holding it. So in a way, it's not a so Ponzi is where, you know, technically new investors pay off old. That's not really happening necessarily. Um, it's just, it's an inducement to hold the token and buy the token. I think that's the Ponzi nature of it. Basically not to sell it, right? Because if you can induce people with this idea that it's return on your token just by holding it or by staking it, um, this is the Ponzi nature of it. And this is what got that Luna in trouble Terra Luna with the stablecoin. People were only, I think, wanting to hold the stablecoin to the extent that they were, in, you know, investing in this this project that was related to 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 the stablecoin, or you know, somehow it was all intertwined, where the Luna was going up, and the Luna was somehow connected to the stablecoin, and there was a, a protocol I think called Anchor that if you put your you know, if you bought, basically bought this Luna and put it here or whatever, maybe it was a stable coin that you bought it and put it here, you'd get Luna. I don't know exactly how it worked, but basically if you bought something, it induced you to buy something because of this 20% return. And if you put it in this little box called staking it or whatever, you'd get this return. So this encouraged buying because of the return, but the return was not real. It was just in this token created out of thin air. So it induced people to buy this thing, hold it, stake it, and just wait for more tokens. While the the smart money who can create this stuff out of thin air um, was dumping it, right? Or or the smart money who gave themselves a lot of it in the beginning, let's just say. Um, and the, you know, you could you could argue that like Ethereum, the people who started it probably gave themselves a lot through mining or whatever. I mean, Bitcoin the same way. The people who started it gave themselves a lot by mining it for basically very little because it was uh, basically, you know, worthless at the time, easy to mine. So they just got a lot of it. So there's people with these natural incentives who get in early on these projects and they induce you somehow to buy in, to stay in, to not, not to sell. And they induce you with these like rewards that aren't really real. And the Ponzi nature, in my opinion, is the inducement to come in the inducement to hold and not sell so that other people can, so that the smart money or the whales or the people committing fraud uh, can get out. And that's the Ponzi nature of it. Now, again, with Bitcoin, they have to achieve this another way. They have to 
induce you to huddle, induce you not to sell through this community, through this, you know, through basically these, in my opinion, lies about what Bitcoin is, what it might be in the future. Um, and there's just like community building, right? That you're not one of us if you're going to sell your Bitcoin, right? You're not one of us if you want to trade it for dirty fiat. This is all, this is like the language that they use. Um, so they're not inducing people with high returns necessarily, uh, like explicit, oh, if you put it in this box, right, stake it, uh, Bitcoin will, will give you more Bitcoin. That isn't, that's not how it works in Bitcoin. Now, there are, you know, services that let you lend Bitcoin. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about directly with protocol. Um, there's there's no, no explicit promise to give you a return, you know, like staking is sort of. Um, staking is like an explicit purpose, explicit call to give you a return through the protocol. So I think that um, I, I don't... You know, I, I wonder if the regulators have thought much about staking. Um, it it looks pretty bad to me from the outside. It looks very bad to me. Um, but if you think about how a real investment works, your real investment is going to a productive activity. And this concept of staking would be a lot better if they actually tried to make it at least look like it was being used productively um and i don't know what that would look like but just locking it away you know you know putting it on the line just to create more of yourself this token you know it's also confirming transactions but but this idea that that this is how this new token is created you know if it was just to to confirm transactions um and they weren't, weren't creating new tokens they were just taking fees that would be interesting, but then how, how would they get more of the token out there? I don't, I don't know, right? So would people be interested in it or of it? Uh, you know, well, Bitcoin is eventually going to not make more of itself, apparently. So um, are the miners going to be still incentivized? Are people still going to be incentivized to mine it? I don't know. Um, but if the rule of thumb to know if this is a scam or not, to know if your token is a scam, is ask the question, is it productive? And so is the staking productive? It's not being lent to anybody. It's just sitting there. It's just sitting there. And I guess somebody might say, well, it's being used to confirm transactions. Okay. And to like make sure that nobody scams the system. Because if somebody wanted to act badly, their stake could be taken. Okay. So it's incentivizing basically trust. It's incentivizing goodwill that, that this thing won't be... Um, basically destroyed right from the inside out that's what it's trying to do but it's not doing anything other than that it, it's just other than you know the advantage of while well, you're stake you can't sell so that's an advantage right um you know and i guess the other advantage is that it looks like from the regulars point regulator point of view that when you're staking, right, you're the issuer because you're the one getting the reward and then you're the one selling it to the market. So from a regulatory point of view, the regulators have a hard time figuring out when something is a security. And if they were to come to, you know, the logic that I've come to, that it's basically it's when you sell it and what you say about it, you know, to people, uh, they would start saying, well, I've got to look at all these people who've staked and then who, who 
proceed to sell this stake for the first time, this new issuance, I have to get everybody to disclose something. Well, it wouldn't really be that hard. I mean, how hard would it be? Because Coinbase would just say anybody coming here with new, newly issued, right, sorry, newly staked coin that was rewarded and wants to sell it for the first time, you are now a offering a security. And maybe, you know, it, it acts a lot like equities because they even say, so, you know, the, there's lockups in doubt. It's like you would get these, what they used to call yield farming. I don't know if they still do it, but they would get these things, um, uh, these new tokens, right? You'd get from yield farming where you basically staked your token here and you get a bunch of new token, new, like a different kind of token, but you couldn't like sell it or, or get it out unless, you know, for like 12 months or something. It was, it was almost like a lockup period, you know, and they do this, this is a thing that they do in the equity market, like with securities. Um, so it just has, it has like, they built this thing to basically copy equities. I mean, and why the regulators aren't, aren't seeing this as a security, you know, I just listened to the Jim Chanos interview with, um, on the crypto critics podcast, uh, with Bennett Tomlin and somebody else, but it was a pretty good interview. And, you know, Jim Chanos is famous for saying we're in the golden age of fraud. And I think he's absolutely correct. And he was commenting on the regulators and saying it's very suspicious that they haven't come up with sort of a framework for a global framework for, you know, how to define these securities in in crypto. And, um, you know, he thinks that some things are going to come to light. And it made me think he, he knows something about what's going on with the regulators. But um, uh, he said something about, well, they don't want to squash innovation. And that, you know, this reminds him of the 1999 when fraud was rampant in 2008, when fraud was rampant during, he called it, he, t- he said it's, um, it's fraud is usually exposed during business cycles. So when the business cycle goes down or it crashes, basically, there's a lot of frauds that are exposed and it's because a lot of frauds need new capital right or or cheap capital um so he he thinks that the regulators um maybe maybe they're caught up in the greed maybe they're also making money and he also said that right now it's just too easy to, to scam people it's just too easy to believe in these tokens and and, you know, I have to kind of agree with that. I think it's so easy to create these things out of thin air. And, you know, if you can build some hype, if you can get it listed, you know, and getting it listed requires just knowing somebody probably at an exchange, you know, or, or at least giving somebody somebody um, financial motive, right, to, to list it, right, meaning that give them early access or give them a good deal or just give it to them for free. I mean, the, and then... You know, we see the regulators. What are they doing? They're going from being a regulator to being the head of a crypto company. We just saw that Jay Clayton. I just saw this last week where he announced he was going to, oh, I don't know, some crypto firm, some crypto company. And he was the guy that in like 2018 or 2017, I think it was 18, said that Bitcoin and Ethereum looked like commodities. They didn't look like securities. And the crypto industry has been... um 
basically just going off that language, you know, ever since then and saying, oh, well, he said, well, this was just one guy and one guy, you know, that's regulating or heading the SEC doesn't get to determine what a, sec- what a security is and what it's not. The one who says Bitcoin's not a security out of the room uh, because you could point to Jay Clayton and say, look, he is um, he's a bad he's a bad guy. He's he's compromised, right? He 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 he's biased because he knew he was going to go into crypto eventually uh, if he just said the right thing, you know. And it's, it's something else else came out that during this time period um, they were meeting with either they were meeting with Ethereum people, uh, somebody who worked at the SEC, you know, very close relationships to them, and it, this was this came out right before the big public announcement from Jay Clayton. So there's 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 clear clear bias. And Jim Chan kind of defending short sellers, saying um, there's there's no money on the other side, like un- unless you're a short short seller, and even then, right? Well, he didn't say this, but I'm saying it. Um, even then, you're not going to make money as a short seller until things go in the other direction. And, you know, I guess sometimes you get lucky, maybe you put out a report and maybe the market takes it seriously, but sometimes, um, you know, that doesn't happen, right? And something can stay, can keep going up forever, basically. I mean, so I don't know how these short sellers time it. Some get lucky, I guess, and some just keep, keep, you know, maybe they have a head short position or something, but they, um, there's no money really in calling this out, especially the regulators until, until, and this is what he said and what I've been saying and what I believe until this stuff just collapses. And he, you know, Jim Shannon didn't say this explicitly, but he kind of referred to it with market cycles and the boom bust. The boom bust is the boom is the expansionary period, the cheap money, the misallocation of resources. You know, crypto is basically the blow off top. Of, of, of all the speculative bubbles we've seen. Um, and when the money is no longer there, because all frauds need new money, or, you know, if you don't want to say that all Bitcoin or all crypto is a fraud, all non-productive activities need cheap money or new people coming in. So in my opinion, Bitcoin and crypto predominantly relies on new cheap money coming in. On top of that, they also rely on fraud because they also rely on on um there's this bubble that comes from the cheap money but then there's this fraud that occurs that explains to people why they should be investing in crypto and when they explain it and they talk about bitcoin being money in the future uh and how it's going to a million and how you should hodl this is all fraud because it's all a lie it's all an inducement to con you into into getting into crypt bitcoin or crypto and then you see, um, so the bubble, though, is what lures people, really, because they see the price rising. So because the fraud can only do so much. Now, it does do a lot, but it doesn't do most of it, which is why I actually pin most of this stuff on the bubble um, and why I think the cheap money is what propels it and why that's going to be what ends it. Because as we've seen, we're not seeing the SEC DOJ go after people, like Chano said, although I would question Chano's and say, well, but they are going after some people. We see very selective enforcement. Why is that? You know, they are still kind of, kind of, kind of in there. Like, so why are they only going after some people? That's interesting to me. You know, um, 
he didn't, he, I guess there wasn't a time to go, you know, for the guy to go, go into that, but, or just wasn't asked. But yeah, I mean, this, the front, like, so the SEC isn't going to prick the bubble, you know, and they're not going to go after anybody really. I mean, they are going after some people, I guess, if you get, if you uh, are very unlucky, but you know, most likely if you create a crypto commit fraud, you're going to be fine unless the public wakes up, which eventually they will. Uh, because they'll lose a bunch of money. They'll be very angry at the politicians and regulators. That's when they're going to come in and punish a few people. But some people will get off scot-free, of course. Uh, But you're really not going to see a turn in regulation until people start losing a lot of money. And that will basically depend, in my opinion, on on not the frauds uh, being prosecuted, but on the cheap money being pulled, being pulled, right? Um, the economy being being wrecked because you know the Bitcoiners probably think they can print forever or the crypto people they can print for a long time but what eventually happens is you get these investment bubbles um, and you get uh, but you have big rises in crypto like we've seen this pulls in misallocation of resources people start mining Bitcoin energy companies stop producing real energy and they stop and they start mining Bitcoin, as we've seen some do, uh, they invest their resources towards this non-productive activity, which drains real savings because these people in crypto are still eating, right? They're still buying houses, but they're not being productive themselves. They're just participating in a wealth transfer. This eventually, this isn't just crypto, but the entire, you know, the US economy is being slowly looted and drained. Um, savings is going down. Uh, they're just printing money, but this isn't real, real wealth. Uh, so people, so the economy is going to basically shit. And um, there's a point where the cheap money uh, isn't going to inflate anymore, or it's, or you know, maybe maybe it can, but it's going to hurt the economy. It's going to crash everything. People are beco- going to become really poor because there's just going to be less um, less stuff out there. Uh, and the people who are actually productive and, and saving and making things are basically just being stolen from. And they sort of start to realize that. Um, and they're not gaining in society and just these crypto bros are who aren't actually being productive. And they start to question why. Uh, and eventually, you know, the non-productive activities um, basically get wiped because either, I guess, the Fed decides to raise interest rates you know like eventually they have to start reining in all this all this printing um to save basically the dollar and the economy or if i guess if they just keep printing and keep printing um you know can 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 these non-productive activities be sustained um i guess it just depends on i'm speculating here i guess it just depends on how weak the economy gets Right. And how how poor people become. And if they see that, oh, well, it looks like Bitcoin isn't helping me or <laughs> crypto isn't really helping me. You know, there's, I just see these these rich crypto bros who got really rich and then traded the, in their Bitcoin winnings for houses or productive things that, you know, uh, that I need. And they just made everything more expensive. Um, and I and uh, maybe Bitcoin, you know, crashes because the normal guy who's got some Bitcoin savings or is hodling. He's like, well, I got to. You know, everything is getting more expensive. I got to sell some of this. Um, 
you know, maybe, maybe he has to sell and maybe Bitcoin crashes. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I, I don't know actually what will happen if they keep printing, because I think if they do reverse course, which a lot of people think they will eventually when there's enough pain, um, you know, the inflation will just come back. Right. And it'll make everything go up nominally, but the nominal price isn't really what you should care about. You should care more about, um, the relationship of this thing to, to other goods. So will, will real things go up faster than crypto at that point? You know, real, real things that you really need. That's what I'm betting is that real things, uh, real businesses, you know, real, real, real productive things like food, food companies or oil companies, or just things that you need, um, real businesses, um, will go up faster in a hyperinflationary environment environment than, um, than like the crypto companies or, or already crypto token. Cause the crypto token is something you do. You don't do cause you need it, right? You're doing it for fun. You're basically gambling in, in the crypto casino. Um, and people basically stop doing that when they become more poor, when their savings are drained, when they're having to spend more money on food and gas. Um, and it's interesting what's going on with Bitcoin energy, um, push down here in Texas. Um, I actually think it's fascinating. It hasn't come up yet. This just goes to show in my mind how much Bitcoiners have uh, the press on their side uh, because, you know, gas prices are exploding. We all know that Bitcoin miners are here. They're on the grid. You know, they're taking out valuable energy. They're competing for it, at least. And um, there's been no push here to get them off the grid or blame them for high prices or say that you're contributing to high prices uh, which just tells me that people are not awake. People don't know what's happening down here. And I think, you know, the Bitcoiners have been very, very smart about pretending like they're for um, their anti-government, right? They don't like what's going on with the government and high taxes and, and, and they, they like supposedly like freedom. But they're just the opposite of this because their actions show them to be statists. Their actions show them to be passing bills in different states, um, cuddling up to government officials, the elites, um, putting the elites that used to be like on Obama's team or in, you know, high government positions, uh, putting these people on their board. Uh, they have all these new lobbyist groups. Um, I see one every day, a new one, uh, just a, just a pub, you know, interest group that's in Washington, D.C., you know, or in Texas and, and, you know, just on Twitter, people retweeting stuff from them. How are they affording this? Who's funding this? Well, because it's so easy to make money in crypto, right? Or in Bitcoin, I suppose. If you're, if you got, you know, really rich off Bitcoin, these people have a lot of money to buy a lot of politicians. And that's what they're doing right now. They're buying off a lot of politicians in this industry. And, um, they're hoping, I think that they're, they're succeeding right now that, uh, they can buy off these people, you know, through bribes and they won't be targeted for fraud. They won't be targeted for, um, you know, the DOJ won't come after them. The the SEC won't come after them. State process, you know, the age state AGs won't come after them. Uh, but you know, who do they have to, who do, who are they going to have to buy off next? They're going to have to buy off retail people. Because it's not the regulators and the government officials that um, 
that are going to be the losers, right? It's going to be the regular guys who are hodling, who are, you know, just gambling it all on crypto. And I get it. You know, I'm a millennial too. I guess I'm an older millennial, but I'm still a millennial. And I realized that, um, you know, the 08 crisis really shook the millennial people. They were still sort of in college, you know, uh, or just coming out, but they, um, they don't trust the markets. They think it's going to crash. They think that, you know, housing has just gone up. They feel like they can never afford a house. So what do you do when your job is not that great, right? Or you think it's not that great and you feel like you can never really get ahead. Well, you start getting desperate. And when you start getting desperate and you don't think about things rationally, um, you have this nihilistic attitude and you just want to go, go, um, you know, gamble it all on, you know, lucky number seven. And to be fair, it's not just gambling. There's just some strategic uh, parts to crypto invest, you know, call it investing. But they see that, that it, money can be made, a lot of money, very quickly. And they're right to identify that. Um, they are very right to identify it. And when, you know, I don't really blame people who, who do this necessarily because everyone's doing it. And when everyone's doing it, everyone's breaking the law or committing fraud and not, the laws are not being enforced. And basically we see this country being looted. We have corruption everywhere. We know politicians just take bribes. We know the law's not enforced. You know, you throw up your hands and you say, well, everything's gone to shit. I might as well get mine. I might as well, you know, start a crypto, sell it into the market, try to get rich or try to get in on a, early on one. Uh, or I might, you know, if I can't, can't figure out how to create one, maybe I'll try to find one that somebody else is pumping uh, and I'll try to ride that up. You know, so I, I am very sympathetic to people, well, especially younger generation who, who think that way. And to some degree... I still think that way too, um, you know, because I'm from that generation and I can see the corruption and it's despicable. Uh, but I think what keeps me on, I guess you could say the good side is that uh, I don't think you can have a society very long where we don't have the rule of law, where, where people can commit fraud, where no one trusts anybody. Uh, I don't like this ethos that like code is law and I definitely don't believe it. But I, I think that out, being out to scam somebody isn't really that productive in the long run. Uh, you kind of get what you deserve. You know, you, you treat people this way. Um, you ruin your reputation. You're not going to have friends for very long. Uh, you're just not going to be very pleasant to be around. You're going to always look like a scammer. And I mean, the millennials who, who you know, like, like I like Pomp. Like, he's, he looks like a great guy. Um, and I think he truly believes some of the stuff he says, but he's clearly like a pumper, right? He's clearly a guy that shills Bitcoin. Um, but he seems nice about it. <laughs> but, you know, like other people probably around his age, I mean, clear pumpers, they're going to be, their reputations might be ruined. Now, they might be saying, well, I'll get rich and it won't matter. Um, and I don't think I'm going to be prosecuted for fraud. But they forget about all of the little guys. Like they forget about all the retail guys the other guys that have been following them, you know, like been following a Dan Held or something, who's been saying to huddle, they forget about these people who might actually lose a lot of money, who didn't get in early, uh, who might actually come after them, you know, in a lawsuit, you know, if they if they were to lose lose a bunch of money. Um, and I think, you know, maybe they got the regulators paid off and bribed, but they don't have the people paid off and bribed because that would require 
ensuring that everybody who invests in Bitcoin and follows your advice um, is either made whole or makes money. And that is impossible to do because the only people that make money in Bitcoin or in any other sort of zero sum game, right? Um, because Bitcoin isn't productive. It's not making a profit. Um, uh, that's why they need this thing to keep going. And maybe they can, can keep it going uh, because they've at least been able to to ride the coattails off of cheap money. They need cheap money to survive. They actually don't like the Fed printing, but they definitely need it for Bitcoin or any other crypto to survive. In my opinion, that's the number one thing they need. They need the money printer. Like they make fun of it. It's in all of their little money printer go burr uh, cartoons, but they need this. They cannot exist without it. So this idea of sound money Bitcoin, I don't think is real. I don't think it can happen. Um, they basically need us to keep printing. And there's a lot of people on the right who are libertarian like me who think eventually the Fed is like, they're sort of just trapped. I mean, they want to tighten, but they're not going to tighten enough. And eventually they're going to probably ease, you know, they're going to get maybe, I don't know, to four, 4% four rate. So that's stretching it. And then that won't be enough. And then they'll just start easing because they'll, they'll start collapsing everything. So they'll just start printing again. So will that be good for crypto? I guess maybe for a time period, probably. Um, but, you know, I just don't think that Bitcoin can ever really succeed without the money printer, without cheap money. And, um, yeah, anyways, um, that was a long rant. If anybody wants to call in, let's see. I don't know if I have to invite you to speak or not, but I think I invited in anybody to speak. But yeah, that was just a very long rant that um, ended up going places I wasn't thinking it was going to go. But um, I think I'm pretty much done if nobody wants to jump in. Jump in here. Um, started off talking about staking, how it's not really a productive activity, and how I think... Um, any any staked coin um, basically just shows you that it's 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 um, it's not going to last eventually, right? Because it's just non-productive. There's nothing productive going on. It's just a game. Um, but you know, Bitcoin Bitcoin's also the same way. It's non-productive. It's basically negative sum because you're wasting resources. Uh, it's artificially tied to Bitcoin. Okay, well, I guess that's it for me if nobody's got questions. <laughs>